Welcome to the Nanalyze podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanalyze.com for more details. You probably clicked on this video because you're either holding a semiconductor ETF or thinking about holding one, and you want to make sure that you're holding the best one. Well, we can certainly help with that. So what we're going to do today is find a universe of semiconductor ETFs. We're going to exclude names with excessive expense ratios. Then we're going to evaluate the mechanics of the remaining names, talk a bit about the bigger picture, and try to identify the best one. So let's start by talking about the Global Industry Classification Standard, or GICS. You can see in the upper right corner here, this is a way that the finance world can dissect the universe of stocks out there into various categories based on what they do. And you can see some examples here. They use these handy codes. There's various levels. It's all rather slick. And when we think about semiconductors, there's actually a section here, 4530, that refers to semiconductors and semiconductor equipment. And you can see there that the lower level semiconductors is one category, and above that you have semiconductor equipment. Now what's interesting about semiconductors is that a lot of institutional dollars have been flowing into the SMH semiconductor ETF. So that's right now the largest by assets under management. And you can see that at least in the past three years or so, a lot of money has been flowing into that. And if we look at the last piece we did on semiconductors, that would have been earlier this year. This on the left-hand side, this table shows the AUM or the amount of money that the three largest semiconductor ETFs had attracted, SMH, SOXX, and XSD. And then look today. You have uh, SMH, what that's close to, doubled their uh, total assets under management. You have SOX, that's uh, gone up quite a bit. And then the third place position has actually been replaced by Direction Daily. So this is a sort of ETF that attempts to give you uh, three times the direction of a particular movement. So um, if you understand the concept of beta, that's simply the extent to which a stock moves relative to a benchmark, then this is um, where you're actually choosing very high beta. That's not something that we would ever do. That involves speculating, not investing. And you pay a price for that. So these ETFs uh, charge uh, quite a large expense ratio. So we've removed those from our analysis because we don't think that uh, risk-averse investors should be trying to increase volatility. That's not something that you want to do when you're managing a portfolio. So we've removed those names. And then when we look at the remaining names, as I said, we want to eliminate higher fee ETFs right off the bat. And yesterday's presentation looked at some great research by Morningstar that shows the number one predictor with accuracy of 100% when you're looking at which funds are going to outperform over time, it's those with the lowest fees. That's pretty intuitive if you think about it, but not a lot of people pay attention to that. So we're going to eliminate these three ETFs here right off the bat. They charge 60 basis points, 56 basis points, and 95 basis points. You see the three ETFs there on top and the one on the bottom, they charge 35 basis points or less. So let's then talk about what's most important for ETFs, which is the indices that they're tracking. So 
These four uh, semiconductor ETFs that we have left, uh, SMH tracks the MVIS U.S. listed semiconductor 25 index. So that number 25 is a clue to how many constituents it might contain. Then SOX tracks the New York Stock Exchange Semiconductor Index. XSD tracks the S&P Semiconductor Select Industry Index. And SOXQ tracks the PHLX Semiconductor Index. And we've listed out the assets under management here. And what we're going to do next is we're going to drop the SOXQ or Invesco PHLX Semiconductor ETF off our analysis for a number of reasons. First of all, uh, it's been around for two years, and it hasn't attracted a lot of assets under management, just $163 million. So a rule of thumb might be that an ETF needs to have about $100 million to survive at least. So they haven't been able to, for whatever reason, attract a lot of institutional money. And what will end up happening is that if those other ETFs uh, decide to compete on cost and start lowering their fees, then uh, this ETF, even though it has a lower fee today, uh, won't be able to keep up with that. So we're going to leave them as an honorary mention and compare the other three names. So what we've done here is we've taken the top 10 constituents for each ETF, and we're looking at concentration here and the names that can be found uh, across all three. So in yellow, that would be any name that exists in all three ETFs. And in orange, that's any name that exists in two ETFs. And what we can observe here is that for SMH, the concentration's quite high. And that makes sense because you see NVIDIA has a weighting of 18.45% in that ETF, followed by Taiwan Semiconductor at around 13% and then Broadcom at 7 when you look at SOX, that's also fairly concentrated, but not so much. And then to the right of that, XSD, the, the smaller of those three ETFs, has 39 stocks and is understandably the least concentrated of the three. So let's start talking about uh, each of these indices because these ETFs simply uh, track or utilize a index to uh, construct their portfolios so you can understand an ETF by understanding the index. So for SMH, their index is the MVIS Semiconductor 25. You can see the list of assets here on the right. Company weightings are capped at 20%. So this helps explain the NVIDIA and uh, Taiwan Semiconductor overweights. So if NVIDIA gets much higher, then they'll likely have to do some trimming there. Uh, companies that are found within this ETF have to generate at least 50% of their revenues from semiconductors. So, and we can understand why it's such a concentrated list. The no, lower number of constituents is because not so many companies do that. There's a lot of names in the semiconductor industry, but for those that actually generate more than 50% of their revenues from semiconductors, the number starts becoming smaller. They have, as is typical, semi-annual review with quarterly rebalances. So then when we look at SOCs, the New York Stock Exchange Semiconductor Index. Important to note here that on uh, what would be that June in 2021, they began to track the New York Stock Exchange Semi-Index. Prior to that, they tracked the PHLX SOX Semiconductor Index. That's the one that the Invesco ETF is tracking, the low-fee one. Uh, they have a concentrated exposure to what they say are the 30 largest U.S.-listed semiconductor companies. They have a minimum market cap of $100 million. You can see the names listed there on the right. 
They also have a capping methodology that's a little bit more strict. So it says the weights of the top five securities are capped at 8%. So what's going to happen then is you're going to see a rebalance and they're going to trim their advanced micro devices or say reallocate uh, to, to make the weightings more equal. Uh, what you've got advanced micro devices and Broadcom that are above 8%. Uh, the remaining securities are then capped at 4%. So they're going to adjust all of that uh, whenever they do their rebalances, likely quarterly. Now, this uh, ETF can also hold ADRs, but the cumulative weight in the index is capped at 10%. I wanted to just mention that rule because there are some ADRs. You can look through the list there and see them, though they don't appear to be any danger of exceeding 10%. Then you have XSD, S&P, Semiconductor Select Industry Index. Look at all the names there on the right. This is designed to measure the performance of narrow GICs sub-industries. Look at them there at the bottom, highlighted in orange there. You see semiconductor equipment and semiconductors. That's the GICs structure we talked about earlier. That's the simplest way to run an ETF is to simply follow a particular uh, set of GICs classifications, uh, equal weight that thing or market cap weight it and uh, let it be. So uh, the fact that they're using those classification methods helps explain the larger number of assets. At each quarterly rebalancing, their constituents are initially equal weighted, and then they do this sort of uh, uh, liquidity adjustment of sorts to uh, make sure that um, the firms that are building products around this are actually able to uh, do that successfully that, so that there's enough liquidity. So, um, when we look at performance, that's what everybody wants to know, right? What's the performance of these ETFs? Well, we can go back to, uh, we have about 10 years to look at uh, these names before we run out of um, data to look at. And you can see that uh, SMH, so that's the largest of the three, that returns 693%. Then you have SOX at 648%, XSD at 568%, and NASDAQ at 248%. So the two largest ETFs here, they're tracking each other pretty closely. You can see that XSD, that's the pink line, has periods of outperformance, especially in the recent bear market. That's interesting. But we don't use past performance when considering what to invest in. So which ETF is best? Well, if you're looking for more small cap exposure, you'd probably go with XSD. If you want an ETF that lets its winners run, go with SMH. We'd probably choose SMH for that reason. What you need to pay attention to here for XSD is that they have significantly lower AUM than SOX and SMH. They won't be able to compete in a price war. So all three of those ETFs right now are sitting there at 35 basis points. And as soon as SOX or SMH decides to dump their their fees, then the other will likely dump their fees. And then who may who stands to be hurt the most? It's XSD because they're the smallest. So we've given you a fishing pole here and pointed you down the path to the fishing hole. Um, the bigger question here might be probing the reasons to be bullish on semiconductors over the next several decades. So certainly you have AI chips, you have uh, you know lab on a chip, nanofluidics, the convergence of biology and computing, that these are trends driving the need for lithography equipment and things like that. You have um, IoT chips, there's going to be uh, chips in literally everything um, as um, uh, Mayoshi-san said, uh, the two chips in each of your shoes will be smarter than you and you'll step on them every day. 
But you also need to remember that Moore's law, so that says the number of transistors in an integrated circuit doubles about every two years, is coming to an end. And there's a lot of debate about when that end might be, but it certainly stands to impact the semiconductor industry. So uh, when you're thinking about investing in semiconductors, you know, should you look at an ETF or should you try to pick stocks? Well, semis are pretty heavily covered by analysts. So there's Plenty of conflicting opinions to be found as to future growth direction or what names are best bets to invest in. Honestly, we get more questions on semiconductor stocks than perhaps any other type of stock or theme that we cover. And we try to avoid going down this rabbit hole, though around 17% of our 37 tech stock portfolio is exposed to semiconductors. So we certainly uh, cover the names that we've chosen to invest in along with some other names that we like. But at least if you're going to stock pick now, you have some benchmarks to use. So uh, next up on our semiconductor topic, this was raised in our Discord server, uh, why ASML is the most important tech company you've never heard of. And um, this particular article, I'm not sure where this was pulled from, but it says a global semiconductor shortage can bring governments and businesses to their knees. So why are they so reliant on ASML? And this really cool machine here, uh, I think it's a $150 million machine that helps produce chips. So uh, that's quite interesting. Whenever there's a leader in a particular technology niche, and I took a quick look, they have gross margins upwards of 50 cents for a hardware company that's unheard of. So it's a quite interesting firm to look at. Um, that's going to be up next. So make sure you subscribe. In the meantime, um, we did this piece earlier this year. It's rather interesting. We tried to find the best semiconductor stocks. It's a rather popular piece, certainly worth a watch. So thank you so much for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.